2: the names behind the numbers the stories behind the names this is the her hoop stats podcast with john little i've covered sports for a long time i can't remember a cba that comes close to solving the core issue for both player and management in one shot ever the biggest newsmakers, the best storytellers, the Her Hoop Stats podcast. Here's your host, John Little.
1: Do you love that new CBA or what? Welcome into the Her Hoop Stats podcast. John Little here with you for another week. Thank you so much for being here as we've crossed the 50-50 plateau the 50 podcast plateau whether it be these interview type podcasts that we do here or the unplugged podcast like we just had one last week megan gower and aaron Barrs alive put that together last week so i uh, hope you enjoyed their offering as well uh, we've got you covered it's just another way that we help you out And here at Her Hoop Stats, I know you see the articles, I know you like using the stats, especially if you're kind of a stat nerd like we are, but we're just always trying to diversify and give you another way to enjoy the women's game. So I I hope you enjoy that. If you enjoy what we do here, make sure to subscribe, make sure to rate the podcast, review the podcast, uh, especially on Apple Podcasts where they let you do that, of course, Uh, just Glide on down there. Give it five stars or give it whatever you think. Give it an honest review. Whatever you feel about the podcast, it helps us. Try to make it better as we continue to move on. Uh, really, in this podcast, which uh, I keep saying it's in its infancy, but we're more than six months in now—six, seven, eight months in. So I, you know, uh, it's um, it can be ever evolving, and uh, we want to hear what you think about it. And this week, um, we were all Twitter-pated. Uh, about uh, not only some big upsets in women's college basketball, uh, but then also uh, the collective bargaining agreement, getting it done. I I tell you, I was really excited that it came about um, without a lot of barbs being thrown publicly. I'm sure any time you get across the bargaining table um, between uh, the players and the uh, league Management, ownership, however you want to put it. I'm sure that, you know, there are certain things where they're just non starters for either side and there are those contentious moments. But I felt like, at least from an outside perspective, that this was um, just such a winning moment for everybody involved and it was a way to lift up the game in the end, rather than, you know, tear it down and begrudgingly, you know, we're going to give the players, you know, more of a 50-50 deal as far as revenue sharing goes. Begrudgingly, we're giving the players, you know, this 30% pay increase or whatever, and it it ends up being here. No, there was none of that. It was all respect, uh, really by both sides, but more than anything, lifting the players up and saying they deserve this. And probably in an unspoken way, you know, they, they deserve more. And um, I'm just super excited with how it all came down. Now, we have reached out to the Players Association. We've reached out to the WNBA. We've reached out to some individual teams. It sounds like other than that... Um, Uh, That interview session and we were on the conference call and I I was going to try to bring you some of that audio, but I tell you, it just it doesn't sound very good. It's more for the writers. Um, It just doesn't play very well in the podcast setting or in the broadcast setting. You know, I've got uh, the show that I do on 1080 KRLD in the Dallas area. The news station, and uh, you know, I did do um, some stuff on the CBA the day it came out, but I just, even though I was on that call, I just couldn't use much of that. It was great to hear from, you know, NECA, and it was great to hear from Kathy Engelberg and some of the other people that were on that call. It just didn't uh, translate well to use it for this type of setting. So I apologize that we didn't get any more uh, than that. Uh, for you, but we wanted to try to get the best interview that we could uh, with some of the nuts and bolts of the uh, CBA agreement. And I think that we're going to get more of that. We want to get the uh, the players' association perspective. We want to get the league's perspective in a deeper way. And I think we will over the next couple weeks, I just think uh, beyond those media uh, moments that they had when the uh, deal was actually announced, Um, then everything kind of tucked in and there weren't a lot of other availabilities to us. So uh, hopefully that will change in the weeks to come. And if you're listening to this, uh, our friends out at the uh, WNBA or a team or whatever, and you'd like to come on, we'd love to have you on and ask you some of these deeper questions and help the fans uh, know a little bit more about the process and know a little bit more about uh, some of the things you're excited about. When it comes to the CBA, Well, who we've got on the show this week is Howard Megdahl. and of course, if you are a women's basketball fan, uh, you've got to be a fan of Howard. And if you're not, then oh shame on you. Um, of course, the uh, the 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 person that puts out the nine newsletter, uh, High Post Hoops, as well, uh, does a wonderful job with that site, and uh, just wrote a a gorgeous story in the New York Times on. What to expect as the CBA was coming out um, that that morning that it was coming down. So you know it's like he, it's Michelle Vopel. um, You know we can count on one hand the the amount of people that are plugged in like this to the WNBA and, and that know these things inside and out. So I was so excited to hear some of Howard's thoughts about this. He's so well spoken on it. And I just really appreciate him joining us for the first time ever here on the Her Hoop Stats podcast. And I just asked him first off, all right, um, you know, for, for you, what are some of the highlights of this CBA?
2: I mean, it's hard to even isolate all the things that are improved in this deal. But you have to start with the money. And just the fact that purely from a financial perspective, Every player is going to do better. Um, The very top are going to do significantly better. You have an opportunity for the top players not just to make an 83% increase in their overall base salaries from 117.5 in 2019 to 215,000 at the max in 2020 and up 3% each year from there on in. You also have, with these things, these league marketing agreements that can be up to 250,000 per player from the league the opportunity for the very top players between those and other bonuses for all-star appearances, MVP and the like, to make north of $500,000 a year. But it doesn't just stop there. The other players getting an opportunity, whether it's the rookie scale going up significantly or the middle class having numerous opportunities, both on the average salary side and also from team-by-team marketing opportunities. Players are going to, to a greater extent than ever before, have a chance to have the WNBA be their sole source of income.
1: And that is huge because uh, we have heard so many lament the fact that they have to play overseas to make uh, playing professionally even make sense for them. Is the feeling here initially that that is going to eliminate that necessity for a lot of players?
2: That's the idea. Listen, that's the idea on both sides. And let's not forget and let's not talk about the other key part of this, which is that there is stick to go along with that carrot. Uh, There is a phasing in of a requirement that players be here at the start of training camp now, not by some time during training camp, not a couple of games into the season, not here, but leaving for various overseas commitments along the way. It is a buy-in and a prioritizing of the WNBA first. And that matters for a lot of reasons, but it's certainly going to redound to the benefit of the overall quality of the lead, and certainly the players hope the opportunity for a lion's share of the membership of the PA that just voted uh, for this deal today to be able to play and live in the United States 12 months out of the year.
1: Uh, that's absolutely really big. Uh, another portion of it that uh, you know, obviously, the the money is the big deal, and, and where is the money coming from? Because it's it's now a fifty fifty revenue sharing uh, league between uh, basically the teams, the owners, and the players. Obviously, you got a a math issue here. The WNBA is uh, talking a lot today about these agreements that they have uh, with Deloitte and Mm AT&T and Nike as change makers. Do you think that's where a lot of this money is being made up? Uh, Basically, corporate sponsorships, but they're not labeled as such?
2: I I, I think there's a combination of factors. You know, that is certainly one thing they they are. Forgive me for using the phrase bet on women that the uh, players have used and that's have now been fully co-opted by the league as well but the league is making a bet That by having fuller access to these players and having these players make the WNBA the top priority as we enter the 20s, that more and more people are going to show up. And I don't just mean in the stands or watching on TV, but corporate sponsorships are going to show up as well. And you're going to have opportunities not just for those who have... Bought in already, but in a conversation I had with Kathy Engelbert yesterday, she was talking about the fact that there are numerous companies that were very interested but said not unreasonably, we need to see labor peace before we buy in. And so now she gets to have another round of those conversations and continue to add to the companies to invest in this league. But look, this is how it always works in professional sports. It's no different in women's professional sports than it is in men's professional sports. You need to have the sponsorship dollars behind it, which helps drive revenue. That happens from businesses. That happens from broadcasting deals as well. And that's going to be something that helps drive revenue in addition to owners stepping up and saying, look, we're going to uh, cover this for our teams to the tune of, quite frankly, between the league and team, about a million dollars per team per year over the life of this deal over what they were paying in the last CBA.
1: And even more than the money, there are some other concessions being made, <clears throat> like in in travel and maternity leave and, and things like that, fully paid maternity leave uh, that are going to make the, the league more uh, attractive as well. How key were factors like that in getting this deal done?
2: You know, a lot of the players I spoke to talked about the quality of life issues as being more important than even the money. And, and of course, you can't really separate that because money allows you to purchase different quality of life opportunities. But there are specific things, whether it's $5,000 per year uh, child care credit that you can uh, have as a player with children. The fact that there are two-bedroom apartments guaranteed if you are a player with children, which is seems like a low bar, but it sort of boggles the mind that that wasn't the case for a long period of time. And even just help with uh, plan- family planning on things like um, applying for reimbursement for fertility treatments. I mean, there a lot of things in which the WNBA has gone from not at the front of the pack to really pushing the envelope on what is possible, not just for women in professional sports, but women in industry as well. And I, I dare say that, the conversation around women's sports and equality made an impact in a way that extends beyond just professional basketball. I mean, you think about the negative publicity that U.S. soccer has gotten as they've fought tooth and nail uh, over uh, and equality between the women's and men's team over the last couple of years. And you you can't buy that kind of negative publicity, and you wouldn't want to. And so here the WNBA has an opportunity to be the opposite of that and to be, uh, in a lot of ways, an avatar for women's equality. That's going to matter, and the WNBA is betting it's going to matter at the box office as well.
1: You know, you just bring that up, and it makes me think uh, about how this league has been saying for for years now, we are at the forefront of, uh, you know, giving opportunities to women, and we have all these outspoken women in our league, but yet it really just doesn't materialize when you look at that, at that CBA. So what you're saying is this was a chance to make some of those things uh, right and match up and align the values we say we have with. The values that are actually here on paper.
2: Well, so let's, let's break that down a little bit, right? All of the things you said are absolutely true, but there is a different person at the head of the table for the lead now than ever before in Kathy Engelbert. And that is not to say that previous lead leaders who were presidents, not commissioners, didn't feel that way as well. But there's another aspect to it, which is that Kathy was empowered in a way that past presidents simply were not. Evaluating that, it's worth remembering that, you know, I spoke to Neka Agumite about this, and what she said was that those conversations were among the lightest we had. You know, everyone had common ground on that. Everyone understood this was a way for the lead to move forward in a way that was going to be positive for everyone. You know, in a lot of ways, this entire CBA process over the last six months has been the opposite of what you typically expect. There weren't so much two sides and grumbling along the way as there were once the lead made a decision that it was willing to go big. And that's how it was presented uh, to uh, the lead's, uh, COOs, and general managers uh, sometime late this spring. Once they made the decision to go big, then it was incumbent on both the sides to come up with how best to manifest that. And they both worked very hard at doing so and were able to find a whole lot of things that, you know, Sue Berg called it a win-win, and that's an oversimplification uh, maybe of an entire collective bargaining agreement. Uh, Although I'm certainly not going to argue with Sue Bird on anything, but it, it, it really is both what both sides seem to think and what the text of the agreement seems to provide for both sides.
1: I've been very positive about the CBA coming to fruition sooner rather than later yeah, you know but mm-hmm. uh, but obviously as as uh, as fans um we can get uh, a little bit nervous at, at a certain point but it just seems like the WNBA comes out as a as a whole and I'm talking about players and teams and the league as a whole comes out, uh, you know, smelling like a rose on this when uh, the, the speed at which they got it done relatively uh, compared to other periods uh, in other leagues like you're talking about where uh, when there is no labor piece, it is a contentious situation and there are barbs thrown back and forth. And that just wasn't the case here.
2: Well, think, think about it this way. If you talk to 100 players about what's the biggest problem with the WNBA coming into this CBA. They would have said the biggest problem is that I have to scramble and do all these different things to make life comfortable while I'm playing in the WNBA and work like crazy in the WNBA off-season, meaning I don't get an off-season as well. And there is now a pathway forward for the overwhelming majority of players to do just that. That is the number one addressed concern From the first twenty-three years of this league, and then if you were to talk to the league and say, "What is the biggest single problem with with the players, and what would you need fixed?" and what they would have said is, "The players disappear for seven months out of the year, and so we are constantly trying to market people, players, teams who aren't here, and even when our season's going on, sometimes they're not here, and this." By putting in and phasing in the opportunity to force players to be there by the start of training camp means that was hidden care. I, I've covered this. I've covered sports for a long time. I can't remember a CBA that comes close to solving the core issue for both player and management in one shot ever. Ever. I mean, the closest you could get was when Major League Soccer, in one fell swoop, added a significant jump in their minimum salary, which limited how much Major League Soccer players, let's not forget, not, not very long ago, this was only about five years ago, had to work uh, during the offseason in order to make ends meet, and at the same time, expanded teams' ability to be able to go sign designated players dramatically. That all happened in one labor negotiation, and that was as massive a move as I ever remember, and this absolutely trumps it.
1: So I'll leave it with this, and uh, just as I keep talking to people today about this and how it's making waves nationally, I know it's one of those things where time will tell. But like you say, you've been covering not only the WNBA, but a lot of leagues for a, a long time. Will we look back on this As a turning point, as other than the formation of the league, maybe the biggest day in in league history, perhaps.
2: It's going to be on a short list. That's for sure. If this works anywhere close to the way both management and players think it's going to work, this is going to be a fundamental turning point uh, for the WNBA. I don't think that's overstanding it and obviously time will tell and we have to see how it all comes into practice and they they absolutely have to follow through on what is a great starting point but it was, what Neca said was this is something that becomes a new starting point for the next generation of players going forward. And that is no small thing to get out of six months of labor negotiations.
1: Outstanding stuff. Howard, thank you so much for the time today. Really appreciate
2: it. Oh my God, my pleasure.
1: There he is, Howard Megdahl, here on the Her Hoop Stats podcast. And I I know it's not going to be the last time that we have Howard on the podcast. There's so many other things that we could get into, and we could have gotten deeper into uh, the CBA as well. But we had uh, uh, some time constraints this week. He was busy. Uh, I was busy as we were trying to break all this news, uh, and it, but it was just great to hear his thoughts on it. So I really appreciate him coming on. We've got some other interviews in the pipeline for you that are about to come down. We're just trying to line out the exact time uh, that's best for both parties to meet. So excited to bring those to you over the next couple weeks. And if uh, you have somebody in particular that you'd love to hear uh, their thoughts about something, hey, just uh, send us a note, podcast at herhoopstats.com. Or, you know, maybe in your Apple podcast review, you could put that in there. And then that gives us some backing to know, hey, we, we had a specific request for you. And, and so when we uh, request uh, a player or a coach or uh, an executive or whoever the case may be, um, and maybe that helps bolster our case just a little bit. But we appreciate Howard's time today. Uh, we appreciate everybody that we've had on the, the podcast over the last few months. it's It's been a lot of fun, and uh, it's, it's great to be in moments like this to be able to celebrate the WNBA uh, in the women's game as a whole, because man, does this help not only the WNBA, but maybe, maybe you're a listener that's a little bit more on the, on the, on the fan side of your particular NCAA basketball team. And you've got those one or two players, or, uh, you know, maybe even more than that on your team that could one day play uh, professionally. Think of how much this changes um, their outlook for their professional careers and and how much better it's going to be for them. So, um, you know, maybe if you haven't been a WNBA fan yet, this is for you as well. And it, uh, I think, it's going to make a lot of new WNBA fans as uh, they continue to invest in the game um, and put the money into the game like this. I'm excited to see where it goes. I know it's money well spent, and I'm excited to uh, have my kids uh, be able to see uh, more WNBA games uh, this summer and for a 36-game schedule and everything that we heard of this week. So, thanks to everybody involved in this podcast, as always, including our executive producer, Aaron Barzilai. Our music is by Jared Deck, jareddeckmusic.com, and our announcer is the wonderful Susie Solis. I'm John Little, reminding you that the Her Hoop Stats podcast, we are unlocking better insight about the women's game. Her Hoop Stats.